Welcome to the Manufacturing and Supply Chain CEO Podcast. I'm Martin Harsberger, President of Measurable Results, LLC, and martinharsberger.com. I'm a retired CEO of both a manufacturing company and a third-party logistics company. We were lucky enough to grow both to eight-figure organizations. I've been consulting with small and mid-tier companies for the past 16 years. Our mission with this podcast is to provide a forum to help CEOs in these critical industries share their stories, share best practices, and learn from each other. If you'd like to be a guest in our podcast, go to www.martinharsberger.com slash apply. Each interview will take about 30 minutes. Thanks for listening. Hi, welcome to this episode of Manufacturing Supply Chain CEOs. I'm Martin Harsberger, your host. I have Gil Mayron, founder and CEO of Cobot Nation with us this morning. Gil, welcome. Thanks, Martin. Nice to be here. Tell us about Cobot Nation. I looked at your website. I'm, I know some of it, not a lot. <laughs> sure, sure. So Cobot Nation, uh, we manufacture collaborative robots. And a collaborative robot is a robot that has the ability to work with or without a human, or let's say alongside a human. And so we specialize in making these robots that aid in safety, that aid in throughput, uh, we do the entire thing for the customer. So not only do we make the product, but we service and support uh, everything after we install. Uh, but that's what we do. So so we make robots here all day long. Uh, the office looks like a uh, like a Willy Wonka factory. You walk in, we're in Las Vegas. And uh, so it's nice, neon signs, everything. And then when you open the door to one of our collaboratories, which is a mixture between collaborative and laboratory, collaboratory, you then see robots and uh, vision systems and robots working together and, and conveyors and indexing systems. So uh, yeah, but we're, we're one of the only ones out there that uh, operates the way that we do. Do you actually manufacture them there? Or do, you, do you just integrate them or tell me a little bit more about that? No, we, we do all the design manufacturing, everything. Some components we have to get from some places. Uh, one of our partners is SMC Nematics. Uh, which is one of the largest nomadic companies in the world. Uh, they handle virtually all of our components uh, that we make. So the solenoids for the end effectors, which are the end of arm tools and things like that. But we design everything. Uh, every customer that we go to, every customer we do a, uh, a walk through a facility, we always give them CAD, we always give them workflows, everything uh, we design, we build, we support everything that we do. Awesome, that's interesting. Yeah. So how did you get uh, into the business of building robots? <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. In uh, 2011, I sold what was called the first consumer 3D printer company to a company called 3D Systems. Uh, their ticker symbol is DDD, and they're traded on NYSE. Uh, and with that, I headed up the consumer division over there at 3D Systems. Uh, we did an immense amount of deals. Some of them were really cool licensing deals, like with Star Trek, where you can take a picture of the front and side of your face, and it'll mesh you into a full 3D being, and you can choose your Star Trek insignia and then get a 3D printed and stuff like that. So we did some cool stuff. Um, and then from there, in uh, 2014, that uh, I ended my run at 3D Systems. That was the end of my, my acquisition as well. Uh, and then I did some consulting gigs. And uh, afterwards, once uh, I realized that the industrial patents, in a very similar fashion to the 3D printer industrial patents, were expiring on the industrial robots, it made it very clear that there was a very similar situation in uh, 
automation. And so uh, we decided to embark on making our own robots and uh, it, it's turning out very well for us. Who, who, what's your, I, I'm trying to think of a polite way to say it without saying price, but <laughs> when you talk about automation, you know, to me, I've worked with manufacturers for the last 40 years and, and uh, yeah. you know, when you look at the ability to invest in automation, uh, you, you view that really as a large company uh, opportunity. Do you see that? I mean, what, what's your, what's your uh, sweet spot relative to what, what you can automate? Yeah. So, so right now, primarily, we work with Fortune 500 companies and publicly traded companies. And the reason for that is that there is nowhere else for them to go, for them to scale globally with one company. So we are uh, the only company that we hire our engineers directly. Uh, our field engineers service the customer directly. If something goes wrong, we're the ones that have the design. We can manufacture it again immediately. Uh, that's rare. Usually people put the robots and they, they let them be. Um, but also considering cost, because we work directly with the customer and we don't work through a value-added reseller chain, we don't have to give up 30, 40, 50% of our margin. And so that allows us to do things like more support and preventative maintenance and things like that. So uh, it's very easy for the customer to get in bed with us. Uh, they feel more comfortable with us and we're significantly lower price uh, than any of the competition out there. So uh, your focus in is really large, large chain, not chains, but large companies with subsidiaries, that kind of thing. Yeah, our, our, our viewpoint on this is if we can help the large people out there, uh, then afterwards it'll be a lot easier for us to help all the individual CNC shops and things like that. It doesn't mean we don't help them now, uh, but it takes the same amount of effort for us to do the sales for a small CNC than it would for, for publicly traded. And uh, many times you're waiting the same amount of time for the money as well. So, <laughs> Well, maybe more so because uh, the yeah. there's a little more technical skill that to interface with you where a smaller company might struggle with that. Well, you know, interestingly enough, we're seeing the large companies, they have the ability to be modular when it comes to, to money in many cases. So if you're, if you're publicly traded, you have an ability to raise capital and do other things like that. And many of our customers, they can afford to do things like invest in automation, even if some of the employees are not working, even though they're having trouble hiring people. But the smaller company like the CNC shop or things like that, if you lose somebody, and you're waiting for them to come back for COVID to pass, by that time, that, that's a rough situation because your largest competitor may have already automated. So we're, we're seeing a lot of that happen these days, so. Well, the, the obvious uh, need for robotics and automation is the labor force, right? Uh, yeah. You know, and I think it impacts, unfortunately it impacts a small, your, your point is taken, it impacts smaller worse than the large because they don't have the bad bench strength but uh, and the other side of that is they don't have the capital to to uh, to yeah so they do they wait and they hope right and uh yeah, right, oh yeah. when this passes this guy's going to come back to do the welding and, and you know everything's going to be just great sure except for we're automating welding every single day so you know yeah. sure so uh where are you currently for the business you busy uh extremely busy uh, so let's see, In uh, at the beginning of the year, we raised a round of funding, uh, just under three and a half million. Uh, we'll probably do another round soon. Uh, we're unbelievably 
busy. We'll probably triple our engineers within the next uh, two quarters. Um, and we're doing an immense amount of repeat work. So once we do the first sell, everything else is really just uh, kind yeah. of cut and paste. So yeah. Yeah, I think that if it worked well and your, your support was there, I think it'd sell itself, really, right? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. Yeah. Uh, support sometimes sells the whole thing. Uh, not only that, we'll also do trading programs. So we'll take back robots that don't, that, uh, don't work for obvious reason. Uh, it's worth something to us. Um, but trading programs, that's no problem, whatever needs to be done. Well, I usually ask, uh, what's your differentiator? But I think you've answered that pretty well. I mean, you're, you're talking about the support after the sale and the, the trading program, I see would be a, a real benefit. Well, it's important to be able to get the old stuff off the floor. Yeah. And yeah. many times, uh, they have no idea what to do with it. Uh, but for us, we make the indexing systems, the bull feeders, the conveyors, all that kind of stuff. And so uh, if we're taking back an old machine, we, we'll use it for parts sometimes. So it depends yeah. on what it is. Yeah. Where do you think your industry is going? Your, your, your industry specifically. Yeah. Sure. I, I think we're going to see the majority of manufacturing become automated, uh, meaning contract manufacturing first. Uh, the modular manufacturing where people are making things uh, different every single day, that's, that's different. Yeah. But the manufacturing where you have contracts where it's been around for a very long time, that's all getting automated. Uh, that's all very easy to automate. Anything where you have an individual sitting down doing repetitive motion, very easy to automate. Um, anything where you really don't have too much think thinking going on, very easy to automate. Uh, but then you have other other things where you're not going to automate. For example, uh, I just had an implant done on my mouth. And so uh, that's not getting automated. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, that'd be a little difficult to do. But, um, you know, it, it just depends on what the uh, what the scenario is. But a lot of people out there and again, it's it's an aging workforce. We don't see a lot of young people getting into the jobs that we would like to see them get into. You know, a lot more welders, a lot more. Um, farmers, a lot more uh, people that just, just do things with their hands. We're not seeing as much of it. Right. So the young generation, uh, all of them want to make apps. So we, we end up just seeing uh, uh, an aging uh, population that's getting out there. And so automation, in one sense, it's hurting personnel. In another, in another sense, it's really helping a lot. So. Well, what about the maintenance of these things? I mean, you, you talk about service. I mean, let's say I'm in, uh, you're in Vegas and I'm in, uh, I'm in Mississippi and I've got a robot that doesn't work. How do you, how do you handle that? Yeah, so first off, um, we always stay within 24 to 48 hours. So if anything ever goes wrong, somebody's gonna pick up the phone immediately and we'll immediately have somebody scheduled to go out there. If we're not next to you, it's 24 to 48 hours, right? Because we'll, we'll fly out immediately and then we'll, we'll be there. But that's how we handle it. Uh, if something is broken, we can make it immediately because we make everything. Um, so it's really a pretty good process. And, and it's our job to keep the customer up and running. So if they're using us as part of a main point that's playing a part in their projections and other things like that, we have to keep them up and running 24 seven. Yeah, for sure. That's why, that's why I asked the question. <clears throat> My uh, experience working with manufacturing companies. One of the big gaps is maintenance people. Uh, electromechanical, back yeah. to your, uh, kids don't work on cars anymore like we used to. And 
uh, don't work on the farms like they used to. So, I mean, the, the finding the electromechanical skills to keep machinery running is, is a problem nationally. And I would think, that, you know, the first thing a, a kid would think is, well, I can go and fix robots, but, uh, you know, where, where's, the, where's the fit for that? Right? I mean, that, because you don't have a density, I would think, in any, any one area, would you? Well, actually, uh, for example, uh, we have multiple customers where they have over 500 facilities in the U.S. alone. And so, so the density that we're getting is growing very, very uh, big. Uh, not only that, SMC Pneumatics, yeah, and SMC Pneumatics, they have uh, an immense amount of uh, uh, facilities in the U.S. as well and also overseas. And so we utilize all of that stuff to our advantage. Um, but yeah. Another dumb question, since robots are kind of new to me, you know, um, I mean, I played hockey. I was kind of a robot there, but. <laughs> yeah, no, so did I, yeah. <laughs> uh, what about spare? I mean, uh, is, you know, when you got a production line and you got a 48 hour turn on, on getting repair, is, is it easy to slide something back in and reprogram it? Or is that an yeah, option? That's, great. that's a great question. Yeah, so we make custom dashboards for our customers, and we do that on purpose to, to help us help them. So if they call us and something goes wrong, but nothing is broken, we can easily shoot code right over to the robot uh, oh. over the air, just like you do with Tesla. Um, at the same time, we get a diagnostic. And so we can see if there's a data spike somewhere and all that kind of stuff. So uh, we're able to really identify a lot more, a lot faster. Uh, we know if something is going wrong many times before the operator in front of the actual machine. And we do everything with the intention of if something really goes catastrophically wrong, how do we move that out of the way and bring a human into there uh, like it was at the beginning? And so we always think about uh, plan A, B, and C. Okay. That's, that was right. yeah, again, it's, it's our job to keep the customer up and running. You thought it through. That's good. Uh, <laughs> I hope so. Yeah, that's why the investors are here. <laughs> I mean, if it, if it were me doing it, you know, and, and, and what I deal with typically are manufacturers under 100 million. You know, that's that's kind of my sweet spot. 50 million, I love it. I can make changes. Yeah. Uh, but a lot of them are remote, you know, remote areas and so on. So it, it, it isn't, you're not near an airport, you're not near, uh, you know, a, a city where they can get support on site right. quickly. That's right. I'm trying to trying to anticipate their questions to you before I uh, before I publish. Well, we have a lot of young engineers, so uh, the young guys are willing to uh, to do what they need to do to uh, to get it done, and and they love doing it too. Uh, these mechanical engineers uh, that we hire, if if it weren't weren't for us in Las Vegas, uh, they'd probably be doing a drafting job, and so they're very happy to be over here and uh, doing what they're doing. So, yeah, great. Imagine it's not too hard to get people to come to Vegas to work for you. No, no, no. Vegas is a uh, is a good place. Uh, yeah. We we use a lot of robotic teams around the U.S. Uh, that's where we look for a lot of our talent. Uh, so if a young guy or a young girl has the ability to uh, to program something from scratch, to build something from scratch, to uh, CAD it up, uh, that's something that we're interested in. Do you see a lot of that now with uh, with kids? Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, they, they can CAD anything. They take an Arduino or a Raspberry Pi, and then suddenly they have a whole product, right? The only problem is they have no idea how to do business. So, yeah. <laughs> so they make the product. It's amazing, right? But they have no idea how to use it to change the world. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, looking forward to the next two or three years, what do you see your biggest 
issues are going to be with your company? Our biggest issues are scaling. Uh, our biggest issues are getting beyond, uh, again, some of our customers have hundreds uh, of facilities and that's only in the US alone. And we're opening up an office in Brazil uh, next month. So we're scaling very, very fast. And so uh, that that's the problem that we deal with. Yeah, growth problems are better than, than other problems, right? Yeah, no, but it's still a problem, sure. <laughs> yeah. uh, what are you gonna focus on next year? Uh, so this year we're opening up Brazil. Next year we'll probably do Netherlands and Singapore as well. That'll give us a pretty good global footprint. And at that point, we'll continue on from there. Uh, we have a couple of announcements coming out this month. We have a new rebrand of the website. We have a new catalog coming out. And we have a brand new product coming out, which I think will be game-changing for the uh, for the industry. So uh, we'll see what that looks like. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I saw, like I said, I saw your website. I was interested in your, uh, your uh, one-stop shop, I guess, is what I, what I, li I like the idea of. Yeah. 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 No, not only that, I mean, the, the customers, they bring in their actual application to our facilities. So we have 10,000 square feet here in Vegas. And so the customer in one of our rooms, the overhead conveyor, that's the customers. They brought it in here, they installed it, and we automate it. And then we'll roll it out across all the uh, facilities. So yeah. we, we, we do things in a way that it just makes sense for them. So great. Anything else you want uh, the world to know about uh, about your company that you haven't talked about? Martin, those were, were great questions. Thank you very much. Yeah. I, I don't think there's anything else I can put out there. <laughs> I'm glad to hear it. How do folks get in touch with you? We'll publish that with you. Yeah, you can reach me on uh, uh, LinkedIn. So I've got a pretty big following on there or through my company uh, directly, gill at cobotnation.com. Uh, but LinkedIn or my company and my company itself, Cobot Nation, they're on all social networks. Uh, if anybody wants to get in touch with me, just shoot a message anywhere. And uh, at some point, it should get to me. So, Great. Well, I enjoyed having you. Martin, thank you very I'll much. I'll talk to you again when you're global. <laughs> I hope so, yeah. Thanks for listening to Manufacturing and Supply Chain CEOs. If you're a successful CEO in manufacturing or supply chain that would like to be part of the program, please visit www.martinharsberger.com apply. If you got some value out of the interview, please share it on social media. We'd really appreciate it. Also, if you know someone that would make a great guest, tag them and let them know about the show. Again, our mission is to focus on manufacturing and supply chain CEOs. We'd like to share your story, and provide industry trends and updates that would interest our listeners. We're regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss an episode, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up ratings and interviews go a long way in promoting the show. You can connect with me on social media. I'm on LinkedIn at uh, Martin Harsberger, uh, or through my website, www.martinharsberger.com. Again, we appreciate it. Thanks for listening.